Good morning again, everyone. And Wes, thank you for the reading of that scripture. If you're not already there, you can take your Bibles, your electronic device, and find yourself at Ephesians chapter 1. We are going to continue in our series today called The Best Life. And uh, out of Ephesians chapter 1, today we're going to just be looking at verse 3, which says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. What would Jesus do? You've probably heard that phrase, WWJD. You've probably seen the bracelet. Uh, the acronym has found itself on T-shirts, on mugs, on bumper stickers. It's found itself on necklaces, even earrings. Uh, WWJDs on teddy bears. It's on baby bibs. It's found itself on lunch boxes, and I've heard yes, even so, on underwear. How in the world did that happen? Um, the BBC News, amongst others, traced the roots of like, where did this come from? How did this happen? And what they found out was that the original WWJD, or what would Jesus do, that question was asked in a book written in the 1800s by a man named Charles Sheldon, who wrote a book in his steps, What Would Jesus Do? It was a novel about a town turned upside right when the Christians in that town decided to do nothing that year without first asking the question, what would Jesus do? Now, when the book was published, the publisher made a mistake and apparently was never copyrighted. And so other publishers picked it up and were able to distribute it quite cheaply. And so as a result of that, Apparently, over 50 million copies of that book have been sold and read, making it one of the, the, on the top seller list of all time in the top 100. Fast forward 100 years since when it was written, and a girl named Janie, see if I can get her last name right, Tinklenburg, something like that. This is not fiction, true story. Uh, she's living in Michigan in 1989. She's read this book, rereads it, and it really has an impact on her. She's a youth leader in her church, and so she shares with her youth group about this, and she gets this idea to put this slogan on a t-shirt but at that time, the rage was all about friendship bracelets, so she decides to get it put on a bracelet, and the, the whole phrase doesn't really fit that well, hence the acronym WWJD emerged, and it was, she had 100, or no, sorry, 300 made, and, and they went so fast, she had some more made, and then... It somehow picked up steam and other people heard about it and those that were more business savvy because she never had it trademarked started to develop and it showed up in all kinds of Christian paraphernalia so that to this day like millions and millions of stuff bearing WWJD have been sold. What would Jesus do? Obviously, it's resonated with people that it's, it's been so popular. But I want to ask us this morning, is that a good question? What would Jesus do? And I'm baiting you a little bit because my answer to that is maybe, but maybe not. Let me explain. If we look at the letter to the Ephesians, there are six chapters. And the book is really divided into two parts. In the second part of the letter to the Ephesians, it really does answer the question, what would Jesus do? It's all about how do I live out my life in response to a faith in Jesus Christ? But that's the second half. And I think Paul has been very intentional the way he has shaped this letter 
because there's no, uh, he's not dealing with problems that we know of in Ephesus, not like when he's in his letter to the Corinthians where he's dealing with, you know, specific problems. Paul, it seems, can write whatever he wants to write here about the Christian faith, and he begins by talking about not what we, not what, what would Jesus do so that we know how to live. He begins by answering the question, what has Jesus done? What has Jesus done? See, before we work for God, we need to know how God has worked. Our actions are a response to his activity. And it's as we look at that in Ephesians chapter 1 in particular, as we work through these verses to verse 14, we discover who God is. We discover who he's made us to be. And we discover his love and his grace and his mercy through what he's done in Jesus Christ. And it's out of that firm foundation of love that we just sang about that then we can do what we should be doing. So welcome to Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. And again, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We're going to begin to look at the unsearchable riches of Christ that Paul has talked about previously. And as we look at it, to know that the best life is the blessed life. That all that we would hope for, the grace and the peace and and the good life, is, is not just like within our grasp. It is actually ours. It is ours. Verse, uh, verse 3 is an umbrella verse for all the verses that follow it to verse 14. Now, if you were a student of the original language, you'd discover something here that's really incredible. Uh, verses 3 to 14 are all one sentence in the original language. If you wrote a sentence like this for an essay in school, like your, your teacher would flunk you because it's like, it's like Paul begins to, to uh, open the door to the graces, to the blessings that God has given us. And once he started doing this, he cannot stop. And, and it's like beautiful beads on a, on a bracelet. One beautiful truth after another. They just, they just roll off his pen. And he can't stop talking about it. And so we get this beautiful, beautiful start to his letter. And it shows us that we are probably way richer than we could ever think. Sorry, Scotiabank. You are, this morning, you need to know this, you are richer than you think. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Three times it's the, it's the word blessed, blessed, blessing. And I don't know about you, but if you've been in Christian circles for any length of time, sometimes that word blessing can lose its luster, lose its meaning. We, we can speak it without really thinking about the significance of what it means. It's a very powerful word. And it goes all the way back to the very beginning of God's story that we read in Genesis. And when God creates the world, he, he blesses it. He creates the first couple and it says, he blesses them. 
And, and when mankind sort of goes sour and, and there's this downward spiral and they rebel against God and then there's this, like this unending chain of, of sin in, in the story and God wants to reboot a rescue of, of humankind and he's going to do it through a person named Abram who's going to, his name will be changed to Abraham and, he, and through that his family and then through a nation and, and at the very center of that rescue is blessing. God says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, so that you will be a blessing in you, through you. All the nations of the world will be what? Blessed. So we see right from Genesis, and we see both in chapter 1 and chapter 12, this is the disposition of God. The disposition of God is to bless, to bless us. Turn, turn, turn to somebody next to you and just... Say these words to them. God has blessed you. Can you just humor me that way? Just turn to somebody. God has blessed you. Come on. You can do it. God has blessed you. Now, I, I don't know how your, your week has been. Maybe it's been a great week. Maybe it's been boring. It's pretty mundane, very sort of blasé, typical. Or maybe it's been very challenging for you. Maybe you've experienced some difficult things. Uh, maybe the bills aren't being paid, and that's really become more and more troublesome. Or maybe you've visited the doctor, and he said it's, it's, it doesn't look good. Without trivializing any of those things and any of the difficulties that we may be going through or have gone through in our previous week. Paul, without knowing every individual in the church in Ephesians and maybe the churches beyond where this letter was circulated, without knowing any of that, he can say emphatically, God has blessed you. God has blessed you. Now note the tense of, of, the, of the wordage there. It's past tense. It's not like you have to anticipate this. It's not like you might be blessed. It's not like, well, if, if I do things right before God, I, I might get blessed. No, Paul says, God has blessed you. It's not something you have to grapple for, uh, to grasp at. It's, it is already yours. You are blessed. And you need to know that this morning. You are blessed so if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to know this is emphatically true of you as you sit where you are or if you're listening online, that wherever you are in this moment, if you have a living faith in Jesus Christ, you already have been, you are blessed. And if you're here today or you're listening and, and you don't have that faith in Jesus, but you're considering, what would it be like to be a Christ follower? When we say yes to Jesus, it's like when we put our faith and trust in him, it's almost like as if you were at a keyboard hitting an, uh, the enter button. And in that moment, this incredible transaction takes place were deposited into your ledger is this incredible amount of blessing that comes from God. It's not you might be. It's that you are blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Gary Smalley said that so often people are just so looking for the blessing of their father. Gary Smalley was a man who uh, uh, did a lot of work in the area of relationships 
And he wrote a book, co-authored a book called Around the Blessing. And he would just document how people, how much they wanted their natural father's blessings and the, the lengths and depths they would go to, re, to receive that. You need to know this morning that the perfect father, God our father, has blessed you. It's yours. It's in the bank. You possess it. And here's how it plays out as we look at this verse. With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now the, the translators have translated the word heavenlies as heavenly places. It's, a, it's an unusual word, but Paul uses it several times in this letter, more than anywhere else in the New Testament. And so I think we'd be really smart to let the letter help define what this word means because it's often debated as to exactly what it means. And in, in Paul's letter, we see in chapter 6 that it is the, it's, it's a different realm. It's not the realm of flesh and blood, of, of, of earthly things. It's a different realm. And although evil spirits exist in that realm, we, we discover in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that it's the realm where Jesus has been exalted to. It's the place where he rules and he reigns with authority, all things being put under him. So it's in this place that the blessings of God originate from that place of authority in Jesus. They originate and they reach down into where we are in our realm here on earth. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. In Corinthians, Paul talks about different glories, how the, the moon has one glory, the sun has another glory. And he says the earthly things, they have their glory, but the heavenly things, they have a greater glory. And so that which is heavenly supersedes the, the goodness or the glory that, of that which is on earth, which, without denigrating you know, the physical things, because I think God places great value on his physical earth. But there's a heavenly, there's, a, there's that which transcends, and this is where these blessings originate from. And that's amazing, because what it means is these gifts of God, and that's what blessings are, they're, they're conferring of God's favor and gifts, that these gifts of God and his good will towards us, they're not going to rust, they're not going to deteriorate, they're not going to break down. I had to laugh between services uh, this morning, and the, and the first service won't know anything about this, but... As we're thinking about things deteriorate and they don't work, and, and uh, between the two services, I look down and my belt's broken. Like my belt's hanging down here, and, and my pants will stay up without a belt. Okay, we're all good that way, but it's just like it just doesn't look right. So I go without a belt or whatever. So I, I, I talk to our, our, our techie guy, who's also our worship leader this morning, Jaden, because tech guys should be able to fix everything, right? They, and so I say, hey, Jaden, you got to help me. And he's expecting something with the microphones or something. No, I said, my belt's broken. And like we're like 10 minutes away from service time. And so I'm expecting he's going to whip up some tape and we're going to tape it up. But the guy is so selfless, he whips off his belt and he gives it to me. So if you're wondering, for those of you that are really particular, if you're wondering why I'm not wearing a brown belt to go with brown shoes, there you go. Okay? You got it. All right? So... Things deteriorate. Things on this earth, they deteriorate. They rust. They Heavenly, we've been blessed. God's conferred on us. Heavenly blessings. Now let's look what else he says to us here. Um, with every spiritual blessing. Every. So how many would that be? Two, four, six? Like what, what does every mean? 
Like there is nothing that God has withheld from you and me when it comes to his blessing. Nothing. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So that all that God could give us, he has bestowed, he's poured out, he's conferred upon us. This is not something in the future, Paul's saying. This is like you need to know. This is part of, of what you have by faith in Jesus Christ right now. Every spiritual blessing. And the way I take that word spiritual refers to that they're bound up in the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that makes the blessings of God real to our lives. And what, why do I say that? Because if you read on in, in Paul's Paul's letter here, right after he's talked about this, this and he's done his, his run-on sentence with phrase after phrase, we, very quickly he gets to the fact, he prays for the church that God would give to them a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of their heart would be opened so that they would know what they have in Christ. And then he just lists three of those things, inheritance, hope, power. But it takes the Spirit of God. These things are so amazing that God has given to us, made us to be through what he's done. They're so incredible. They're so beyond our imagination. It takes God himself and the person of the Holy Spirit to take them from concepts in our mind to where the eyes of our heart are opened and we begin to realize the magnitude of what's been given to us and how rich we really are because of Jesus. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Now this morning I gotta talk about where does this happen? How do we get these things? In Christ. In Christ is one of Paul's favorite sayings. Some people say this is Paul's two-word definition of Christianity. In Christ. So some of you over the years, if you've been here long enough, might remember I told the story one time, and maybe I've told it twice, about a trip I, I was fortunate to be part of, to go down to Indianapolis and to uh, be part of the Indianapolis 500 um, IndyCar race. It's an amazing uh, sporting spectacle. Uh, about 300,000 people are there to watch it live, and there's millions more that watch it on television. And... Um, so I told you about that experience, how amazing it was. Um, you know, free hotels, free food, all this was expenses. Expenses were paid um, because it was a business thing. And if I left it out there, you might think, wow, Tim, he must have been a pretty savvy business guy to get a business paid trip like that. Like, you know, he must have been really the who's who in his business world, whatever sphere that was. That might be in your head right now. Is that in your head? And of course it is, yeah. But the reality is it had nothing to do with me. You see, our, our company had just recently decided to align with another company, and the top producer in that company was like one of the top producers in all of Canada. He was just, his business was, was amazing. And, and a sponsoring company who had a car in the race had said to him, hey, we'll pay your way to come, and you can bring some of, the, of your team with you. And so it had nothing to do with me at all. It was all about him. My ticket to the Indianapolis 500 and that whole expense paid experience was because of my relationship with him. And that's what Paul's trying to convey as he speaks these incredible words of blessing that we're, we're reading here. All that we have, God has conferred upon us through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. 
So what I want to do with you right now, if you can take your Bibles, your electronic device, and just look at verse 3. We're going to walk through verse 3, right through to the end of, end of verse 14 here. And we're going to see how often Paul wants to get this truth across to us. And, and often what I'll do with people is I'll print out on a printer just this page of Scripture because people don't, some people don't want to write in their Bibles or whatever, but I just have them circle every place where it talks about Jesus. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. You could circle it in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him, referring to Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through, circle it, Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, who is Jesus Christ. Verse 7. In him. Who's that? Jesus. In Jesus we have redemption through his, Jesus' blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he, God the Father, set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth, in him, Jesus we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, in who? In Jesus. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Jesus, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Tell me, do we need Jesus? Do we need Jesus? Is Jesus central to what we are all about? Can you see that it's the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus that makes the blessing of God that you and I experience in him possible? So our temptation in life then is to think that we could have our needs or that we would need to have our needs met in anything but Jesus Christ. That's our temptation. I love how I, um, as I walk with God in my relationship with him, how many, how many people would say a sort of coincidences that I experience in my life, but you know, recently I was thinking, I, I don't know why, but I, in my mind I thought, I want to reread this book I've read a while ago. It's written by a, a pastor named Bob Roberts Jr., who's super inspirational. He's a pastor in the United States. They have planted a number of churches, but they're so out of the ordinary. They have great uh, relationships in the Muslim world where the Mus some of the key leaders in our world, in the Islamic world, will invite him to come and speak even though they know he's going to proclaim Jesus Christ. Like, it's just amazing. They've been given wide open doors some in the government in Vietnam. As, as I'm reading this book of Bob's, I read this quote from him as he's talking about the Christian life. He says, let's face it. We are never going to get enough from our spouse, our kids, friends, and relatives, and definitely not from the world. How do we get to the point where what Jesus has to offer is enough, and we don't wonder why he is not enough? 
And then immediately after that, he writes out Ephesians chapter 1. What Paul has spoken here, verses 3 to 14. See, that's our answer. Our answer is to remind ourselves what we have, who we are in Christ, and what that says about the God who has given us so much blessing. And we need to turn to one another on a regular basis and speak to ourselves how rich we are in Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that we don't give empathy to people when we, when we go through hard stuff and, and, and talk with them on, on, on the earth-to-earth level, but... Friends, I think sometimes we need to take one another and just put our hand under their chin and lift our eyes up and see the heavenly realm and how we've been blessed in Christ Jesus in those places with every spiritual blessing. And as we do that, we speak life into one another and we live differently. So I'm not advocating buying lottery tickets, but recently, I don't know if you heard this story, and I couldn't help reflect how this speaks to our, our grasping of what God is trying to tell us here. So um, the BC Lottery Corporation on January 2nd released a press release. And uh, it had to do with a person who had bought a ticket. On January 3rd, 2018, a lottery ticket was bought in the Victoria area that was a winning ticket. That winning ticket has to be claimed within 12 months So a day before, on January 2nd, the lottery issued a a press release saying, you've basically got 24 hours. You've got one day to come and claim what is rightfully yours. But they never did. Somebody somewhere in British Columbia probably is walking around and in the bottom of their purse is a lottery ticket I hope they never discover Or maybe it's tucked away in a sock, in a drawer or something. But their life would have been so much more changed, impacted, if they had just assumed what was rightfully yours. And it makes me think about our Christian faith and our Christian walk and our Christian life. How differently would we live? When we ask the question, what would Jesus do? How differently we would live if we first asked the question, what has Jesus done? And we discover that we are way richer than we could ever imagine because of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. And that makes us want to, with great passion and desire, live differently for him, his glory, his kingdom. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This morning I'm going to close with a prayer for us. I'm going to ask that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. And I just invite you this morning to agree with me for yourself and for this community as you pray. If you're here today and you don't have a living relationship with Jesus Christ, just know that that what I'm talking about this morning, you are invited into that. You you just need to turn turn from the way you're living and just say, you know what, Jesus, I give you my life. I embrace you as the Lord and Savior who died for my sins and rose again from the dead so that I could be made right with God. I just want to receive you. And uh, we can just, you can just say yes to Jesus and, and join in on this prayer that God 
would open up the eyes of our heart, that we would know, that we would know, that we would know in the deepest places of who we are, what God has done for us in his son, Jesus Christ, and what that says about God, and what that says about our identity in him. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning, and I continue, Lord, just to be amazed by who you are, what you've done for us, the magnitude of your love, Lord, which I know is it's deeper, wider, higher, longer than I could ever search out. But Lord, I want to pray that you would help us to grasp in a deeper way by your Holy Spirit this morning to know a little bit more of this unsearchable, unknowable love that you have for us. I want to pray, Lord, that you'd open the eyes of our heart to realize the, the blessings that you have given to us in Christ Jesus that are for us to live and to walk in today. Lord, may you fill our hearts with wonder in fresh ways, Lord, of what we have because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us in this great plan of yours, Lord, to reconcile us to you, to bring us into a right relationship with you. Come, Holy Spirit, Lord, speak to us, show us, reveal, open our eyes, we pray, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.